Welcome back to the Carpangler Chronicles podcast. We've got an epic two-parter for you. Stephen White joins us. Stephen is a member of the BCSG. He is a big fish angler and he is a bait enthusiast of the highest order. The guy is absolutely fascinating and he's got some very, very interesting theories on how you can target big male carp, big commons, basically how you can differentiate between the carp that you want to catch and stack the odds in your favor so you actually catch them. We had a fascinating chat. Uh, Part one is very much about what he's been doing over the recent years, how he's been targeting these fish. Then we loop back around and Stephen explains how he does it with bait, how he stacks the odds in his favor and just loads of different stuff. I mean, the audio that we recorded for this was way over four hours worth and it is an absolute goldmine of information. So I really hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Before we jump into part one of that episode, of course, This podcast is brought to you by carphuntergiveaways.co.uk. If you haven't gone and checked them out, you really need to. They're absolutely phenomenal. There's prize draws for everyone. Anything you can think of, they do a prize draw for it. And they also give money back to Phoenix Heroes who help war veterans with PTSD. Super cool company, super cool guys as well. Go and check them out if you haven't done so already. Without further ado, let's lead into part one with Stephen White. Before we deep dive into the the technicalities of of attracting sure. hard to catch carp, what, just run us through your current angling. Um, what kind of fish you're fishing for? How often are you fishing? What's your approach? Just just fill us and the listeners in on the kind of angling that you yeah. do. Um, basically, I'm a syndicate angler. Um, I'm from Bolton in the northwest, which is not the best place in the country for big <laughs> carp. Um, Basically, in the northwest, anywhere generally where there's big carp, there's sort of there's a couple of park lakes, but they're a bit a bit wild, um, a lot of dog walkers. So I travel. I'm I'm on my fifth uh, season on Acton Bennell Syndicate from RH Fisheries. Um, it's a, it's an estate lake in Shropshire. When I joined in 2016, it had um, the general consensus was somewhere between 60 and 80 original fish, um, but they were big fish by certainly by my standards um possibly some somewhere like 30 to 40 of them over 35 pound um at the time there could have been 20 odd 40s depending on you know anywhere between 18 and 20 and 22 40s say depending on um the time of year so some some would drop down to sort of 37 38 when they were um after spawning and then they creep back up so, so it was it was a big fish water. Um, it was a a culture shock for me because I hadn't really fished in deep silt with weed, which was which gives you presentation issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the fish are very 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 riggy and um, very very pressured fish. Basically, they fish for from the spring straight through till till sort of early winter. And they've been fished for since about 94 by the best anglers in the country. So the the fish are sort of 30, you know, anywhere between sort of 30, 32 years old. So they, they've seen it all by every angler and they've seen it. They've been pressured for, for many, many years. But they're big fish and, and, and they eat a lot of bait. Um, 
when I started, it, 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 I did five sessions before I caught my first fish. Um, I started off on, on one of my nut mixes, which is quite a visible bait. Um, and I went up in the shallow end and, and, and I just couldn't keep a bait in the water between the swans and, and the uh, softies. I just couldn't keep a bait in the water. So I, I tried various swims and then I went in with my fish meal. Um, but it, it was it was quite um, a shock. You know, just the, the conditions of, of, of the lake rather than anything else. Um, and then on my fifth my fifth visit, I managed to uh, to snag one on one nut makes a fish called the Atwell male. Um, and then after that, I started catching. Re- you do a lot of blanks on Acton because it's the nature of the beast. There's only sort of there's about eleven swims on the top lake, but only really seven of them get fished to any great extent. So if a, if a swim is hot, then it's difficult to get in that swim. If, if I give you an example, in September of 2016, um, in nine days, Conquer Swim and African Swim were hot and they did seven forties in nine days. Shit. Yeah. It, they, just, they just switched on and it just went mental. Luckily, I started and had two of them, which was, which was amazing. I had a fish called the Matt Hayes Mirror, which was, well, I found out it was the most sought after fish in the lake. Um, and I, I had a brace that with another fish called Stumpy. Um, I had that on my fish meal. Um, and then after that, a lad followed me in and he did his week and he had three forties out. He had, he had uh, seven fish. He had one fish every night when he was doing his week and three of them were forties. Um, and then African did um, four forties as well. So, and, and, and at the same time, the lower lake did two forties. So it was just a, just a mad period. Um, and then, yeah, that was pretty much it till the spring. And then in the spring, I had another six fish um, down, down at the damn wall end. But one of them was what is now the biggest fish in the lake called the Sloped Mirror. Um, so I ended. I finished the season on four forties. I had fifteen fish, so I was I was quite happy at that because um, it was it was different angling from anything I'd done before in terms of just the just how pressured the fish were, um, just how difficult and cute they were to catch. But but it was it was a scary time because the fish were so big. Every time you got a run, your legs just went. It was horrible. Playing the fish was horrible. You were just holding your rod, saying, "Please don't fall off, don't fall off," and you just felt sick. The adrenaline rush off off playing one of those fish, and like when I had the um, when I had the Matt Hayes, I had it at half three in the morning. You've got to jump out of bed into your, your chesties, out into the water because there's all overhanging trees. And I was playing that fish for fifty minutes, and the whole time it's just I, I, I thought I'd tail hooked it. I honestly thought it was tail hooked. It, it was just <laughs> just bouncing. I, 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 it was just the perfect carpy moment. As long as I live, I will never forget that fight. The sky was crystal clear. It was pitch black. Um, and the fish really didn't go anywhere. I caught it at 40 yards. Um, and for 50 minutes, it basically swam up and down and didn't take more than a couple of yards of line. I couldn't do anything with it. It was just like a submarine. Um, and it never went further out than, than sort of an extra couple of rod lengths. And it never came further in than about 32 yards for 50 minutes. Um, and it was just banging its head, and it was it was just crazy. Um, anyway, when I netted it, um, I went and got the bailiff because the rules are you can't do self takes. So I left it in the net, went and got the the bailiff who was fishing, and uh, he sort of we weighed it, and it was forty four ten. 
Um, and I was just blown away. You, you just your head, you just fall apart, you know, because it's it's such a beautiful fish. Um, you've had it at like half three in the morning. It's now half past four when you're doing the pictures, so you, you're knackered. Um, and it's a mid forty mirror. It's, it's just a mental place. Um, I, I, I described the first season driving down to Acton. Like it's a two-hour journey for me. Um, and you were almost having anxiety attacks getting down because just hoping to get in a certain swim. It didn't take long to work out where, where the fish were because they show a lot. I mean, in that in 2016, they had a, a bit of argolus on them, so they were nothing for fun. So you, you'd be sat there, and like at 70, 80 yards, you'd see a mid-40 come clean out just go badoosh and it was it was just it culturally it was very different from from fishing somewhere like the, before that i was on nips and res in in leicestershire and they, you'd never see a fish and if, if you saw a show it would be a slight sort of fish rolling you would never see a fish nut out um so to see see a max and nut out like that it was, it was just just insane hmm. but um and also with it being a silty estate, like you see a lot of fizzing when it when the water's still, um, you see them really fizzing up. And over time, sort of within the first season, I fished I fished a lot the first season, um, and I noticed big patches of, of fizzing, and they seem to be single feeding fish. Um, and then in 2017, the second season, I didn't really fish that much. Um, I fished in June and then I didn't really do much in July and August. I went back in September um, and I had a, 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 a beautiful brace of, um, well, I had the slow ped again uh, and a fish called the first bay mirror. The first bay was 41.8 and the slope was 46.5, which was a new UK PB at the time. Um, and and it, that was over the fish meal as well. That, Basically, that trip in, in late September, it was one of the moon phases in September. Um, and I turned up, I put my marker out, and I put 1,500 baits over on a spot. It's the only time I've ever done three days there. Um, and then for two days, I didn't get a bite. And I've I, I seen them fizzing on the spot. Um, but they come and graze a bit and then go off, come back and graze a bit. And, and sort of nearly 48 hours into the trip, I had the first bite, which was the first bay mirror um that was a that was a, again about half two in the half two half three o'clock in the morning um and then once you have a fish like that you can't sleep again so i was i was absolutely written off that whole day because i was you're absolutely elated but but you're knackered but you you've got so much adrenaline going on you can't sleep so so it's just it's, it's, it's almost like being in a limbo state um and then this was a mad one. <laughs> I, I went to bed at eight o'clock, um, and at half eleven, I had, I had one of the little spawn on commons. Um, apparently, about seven, eight years ago, um, the lake was quite weedy, and, and the carp spawned, and, and a few of the, the fish survived in in the weed. They didn't get predated on by the uh, the perch and the uh, the pike. So you've got these little spawn on commons, which at the time they were sort of doubles. Anyway, I, had, I, I went to bed at eight o'clock. By 11 o'clock, I had this double, um, and I'd, only, I'd, I'd literally probably fallen asleep for about an hour. So I, I was like a zombie. Honestly, I was just in a right state. Put that rod back out, and then it was about half one by the time I, I went to sleep again. And about half two, I had the slope. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just mental. 
and the water level was down as well. So you put the chesties on, you walk out into the uh, into the lake, and the silt, your boots just sink in, and you literally, if you're playing a fish for a, a reasonable period, when once you've netted it, you try and turn around, you literally can't move. But <laughs> your boots are stuck in. So I ended up. I didn't realise how big this fish was because it was really weedy in 2017. So I just sort of with all the silt and everything and I just netted a ball of weed and I ended up having to stick the landing net pole into into the silt and then sort of stick do the same thing with my rod and then try and get me my, my chesties to move which was which was comical and at this stage I, I hadn't had any sleep for like three nights and I was, I was just I was in a right state um and you, basically you can't retain fish on there so you, you've got a like you use something like the the Witchwood net station out in the lake, so you can just leave it in the landing net. Anyway, so I just so I, I bit off the line, carried my rod back to my bivvy, and then I went and got um, a mate from next door, a lad called Declan, and I said, um, I've got an original. I said it's only a twenty. Um, come and do, uh, you know, what a pick of it because it's an original. Basically, the slope is is they've got the biggest frame on the lake, but across the back it's quite narrow. So, so when I was in in this sort of zombie state, I looked down and I seen this this narrow back. Um, I didn't turn it on its side, and there was all the silt sort of billowing about. And, and I, I thought, oh, it's a twenty. <laughs> and then went and got and then I lifted. I got the 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 wasteland under it to carry it out. And I lifted it up and I said to Declan, I said, if this <laughs> isn't all weed and, and silt, I said this is a fifty because it was so heavy. And anyway, we got it on the mat and it. And it was like, Jesus, that's big. And I was so tired, I didn't even recognise it, even though I'd had it before. Uh, anyway, we weighed it, and it was 46.5. So that, that was a, an epic trick for 2017. Um, and then in 2018, um, that's sort of when I... What happened 2018? Yeah, 2018 was... Um, I made some more observations with regards to... when you Basically, when you've been on a syndicate for a while and you fish it quite a lot you t- you tend to, to to see patterns like a certain angler will for instance probably fish a hinge stiffy 90 percent of the time and he'll use a throwing stick so so with possibly like a white pop-up so if you if you sort of log that he's catching certain fish and someone else who fishes in a similar manner they tend to catch certain fish and then other fish tend to come out on um, different baits maybe or whatever. You, you tend to see a bit of a pattern emerge. Or certain other fish, like there's a fish called the otter, which is just a mad boilie head. And it just it just, it just gets caught loads, but every time it gets caught, it's up in weight. Whereas a lot of other fish, um, they come out at a decent weight, they get caught, and then if they get caught again within a month, they're usually down a bit. So, so you sort of, you can try and work out a pattern. Anyway, I, I, the pattern I worked out was was I was seemed to be catching a lot of the big females on my fish meal, um, and people, the, the bright pop up approach seemed to be less discriminate. Um, seemed to be catching various fish of different um, different sizes, but but not necessarily the bigger fish. So that's when I um, the, the the conclusions that I, that I drew at the time. Basically, Acton is unusual in that it's got a lot of big male fish. Um, as in over 40 pounds. So, mm-hmm. so um, 
normally when you when you fish at a lake, the the, the big fish are, uh, in my experience, the big fish are females, and, and the males are smaller. But there's a lot of big males in there, um, and, I, and I wasn't catching many of them, apart from when I had the art well on on my nut nut mix, um, and I, I didn't get many commons. Uh, I've got a mate caught who's now the bailiff at Multi, and he uses um, he uses one of the one of the big manufacturers baits and they're all quite bright now he, he used to catch more commons than me and again i think i came to the conclusion of, of that the males and the commons are more prone to sight feeding it's, it's not exclusive because you get a lot of i was getting a lot of my bites in the dark other people who were fishing sort of bright baits as you would expect and using a throwing stick would, would catch them in the day. Um, so, so I sort of came to the conclusion that the, the big females seem seem to be seem to be feed preferentially on on fish meals at certain times, um, especially when you want to catch them sort of September October. You know, the autumn when they're big, or obviously you want to catch them in the spring. But acting's different. Where Rob Claus is. The water to the to the syndicate in in mid April, and then he he sells he does open access to get you know so people can get a taste of the lake if they like it they enjoy the waiting list. So you don't you don't fish during May when you would get an idea of how it fishes mm -hmm. in the spring before right before they spawn. Mm -hmm. Um. So in so 2018 I I started um I had I had a, a couple of fish um. I had the slope again in July, um, and 2018 was nuclear hot, and all the fish were coming out of a swim called African, which which controls the shallows. Um, and after mid-July, I didn't have an original out of the top lake. Um, I was fishing my fish meals, um, wasn't getting anything. You were getting sort of 31 in the shade. So you can imagine that it was super high pressure, um, air, air pressure, um, super high water temperature, low dissolved oxygen. Um, uh, so yeah, so so basically, my my, my campaign ended <laughs> sort of mid July. I had a fish called the well, I had the otter spawned out at thirty eight four. Um, I had the slope at forty four two, which was a good weight for July, uh, and then it, it just stopped. I couldn't buy a bike. Um, then come the autumn, um, I stayed on the top lake till about October. Uh, and then October, I said I was, there's a fish in the lower lake. Uh, there's only two forties really in the lower lake, possibly three, depending on the time of year. Um, and there's a fish called the Randall, the, the, the Randall Mirror, which is the biggest fish on the complex. Um, so I said, right, I'm going after that. Um, and it, it's strange because I was telling people I'm going to have this fish and, I, and I'm not, I'm not like that normally, but I, I had this massive strong feeling that I was going to have this fish, and I'm not superstitious. I'm a scientist by education and inclination. I don't, I'm not any more superstitious than, than other carpers. And I thought, I'm having this fish. Anyway, I, I, the game plan was there's a, a swim called First Road um, on, on the lower, and come the late autumn, people weren't fishing it because they were fishing the other side where it was easier access. Um, and the other thing was it, it, the back of your bivy, the big winds, the big sovereigns you get, which is when I wanted to fish, um, you could leave your door open because it was coming on the back of you. 
Um, so I went, I went in that swim and uh, started in roughly around the 1st of October. And first trip I had, I had the oldest fish on Acton, which is a fish called the Laney, um, at £30.08. Um, I had a couple of stockies a couple of weeks later. I, mean, I went down for my birthday on the 9th of November and the conditions were perfect. There was a, there was a, a good moon phase. The conditions were absolutely perfect. It was something like 17 degrees in, 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 late, in, in November. And I thought, I'm having this fish. I'm having it on my birthday. I thought, how perfect would that be? Anyway, long, long story short, I hooked a little common. It swam into the tree, the margin trees, and it came off. <laughs> so I went home on a blank. Um, and then just before I left on that trip, I had um, we used to be able to do a full week on there. Because of the because the Rob closed it for open access, then you could book a full week on, um, and book the week for September. So I made a, a big bucket of well, two buckets. I made a barrel of maize and left it in something like July and left it to to ferment um, for, till September. And I made I wanted to do something different in terms of a feeding response, so I thought I'll, I'm going to hit it with a big hit of bait. So I made um a bucket of chickpeas, um, maples, and roast cocoa beans. And the reason for the roast cocoa is they like a, a kidney shape. So I think I thought they'd sit well on the silt. And I, I soaked it with all sorts of stuff. I put um, CPSP90 pre-digested in. I put liver powder. I put a load of namplar. Um, put all sorts in. Um, and then left it to fester. You know, boiled it, cooked it, and the usual left it to fester anyway. The long and the short of it, in the week in twenty eight in twenty eighteen in September, it fished terribly. I didn't get my first choice to swim because my mate Lee bagged bagged the going swim, um, and he ended up blanking for a full week. And he is one of the best anglers on there, so he was getting done over by the softies. The fish were just moody. Um, on the final weekend, every every swim was taken on both lakes. Everybody turned up thinking September we're going to kill it. Um, and I, I ended up catching one of the spawn non-commons and a little stocky. Um, so, yeah, it was terrible. But anyway, on my birthday, um, before I left, I went on the... I, I'd been seeing fish, little, little fish, nutting under the trees on, on the damn wall. Um, and because I hadn't, hadn't caught... Well, I had one fish and lost it. Um, I thought, I'll, I'll stick one down on the damn wall. So I had a, a real good mark about before I left, um, I found a spot which felt decent, but it wasn't too close to the tree line because you get a lot of fallen branches and what have you. So I was thinking about presentation. Anyway, so I went around the damn wall and I put a good 15, 20 litres of this mix in. Um, and then I came back five days later and it was still reasonable conditions, but not as good. Um, and... I set up. I set up in the same swim, cast out within a couple of hours. Um, I had a twenty-pound stocky, um, and it was just going dark. It was it was about sort of half four, and it was just going dark, and uh, I was rushing to get it out. <laughs> I, and um, I didn't check. I've got some. I have free spirit twelve footers, and the tip ring is it's prone to, to frapping up if you don't check it. And because I was rushing. Um, I cast out and I, and I cracked off. I haven't done that for oh, for years, and I, I ended up and it was just going dark as I was doing it. And also, I, I fished soft braid as a hook link, so you have to see it in flight. Um, 
So I just I just I just put the rod down, just head head in head in the hand and just put the rod down and left it. And then about um about half an hour, forty-five minutes, I had a word with myself, tackled it up, you know, spliced the lead, get everything set up. Um and you sort of you 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 put your rods out in the water because first road it's really shallow close in. So you either fish around a corner and put a bank stick in, which I don't like because I don't want the line sort of chafing on it. Um, or I, I actually put my rods out in the water. So I cast out, it was, it was a 15 wraps. So, um, there was a big wind, like 15 wraps, but it's not a big cast, but with, with soft braid, it has, it, it has to hit the clip perfectly. Too hard and it wraps around. Too, and if you don't, it's, if you hit the clip, too soft then you're just going to get a tangle so it has to go in perfect um and, and in this big wind in the dark with my head torch on and i'm not kidding it must have hit the clip about a foot above the water and i, I am not good at casting i am crap at casting and it was just perfect and i went down i got a beautiful drop i thought oh sweet sunk the line put the rod on the steps then on the on the rest and then i, I basically with my bait um it's it's because it's quite soluble, it, it's difficult to roll round. So um, I'll go into this this with you in a bit. Yeah. Uh, but basically, I spawn boilies out. So so I I was using a um, a midi spawn, and again because because there was a crosswind, if you, if you hit the clip too high, then it goes it, it flies at an angle, and you know where near you spot. And my old sort of baiting regime is to get these to bait tight. Anyway. Put six spawns in about eighty boilies, and every every spawn landed absolutely perfectly, hmm. just right on on you know like on a dinner plate, which which never happens normally. But I was, oh yeah, fair enough, that's a touch. So I went to bed, um, and uh, about ten to one, um, I got a run, um, so you jump in the chest, is out in the water, still half asleep, um. Soon as I pick it up, my middle rod starts ripping off, uh, and basically what had happened is the fish had kited um, and and took out my middle rod. Uh, but th this is the weird thing: what had happened is the lead had actually come off the clip on the take. There was some dead weed around the swivel, so the, the lead had, had, had acted as a running rig atta mm. attached to the line, come right up. So this fish is shot off, then it's kited to the left. The lead's still at sort of, well, it was at 15 wraps. It's now took out my middle rod at, at 10 wraps, and I've got all this horrible grating. And I just couldn't do anything with it because my middle rod was fishing on a muscle bed, and, and, there's, there's a, and they're all tangled up. And I'm, so I, I put the, fish, the rod with the fish on, I put it down, and then the middle rod, I had to hand, sort of hand line it, just drag it in. And then when that came up, the hook was... The hook of the middle rod was over the, the, the line with the fish on, and the hook was at this stage round the lead, which hadn't come off on the take. So I sorted that out, chucked chuck the middle rod back down, <clears throat> fully expecting the fish to be off. Picked pick the, the fish with the rod, with, sorry, the, the rod with the fish on, which was the right hander, wound down onto it, the fish is still on. And then, and then I felt the fish and thought, I know which fish this is. Um, or I had a good idea. Anyway, so I played it for a while, and, um, and then I netted it, and I looked down, and it was a Randall at 48 and a half. So, uh, yeah, that was – so it took me seven seven days, seven nights to, to catch that. So Christ. that was just a mm. 
the absolute the pinnacle of, of my UK angling, really. Um, because, you know, I, I, I kept saying I was having it, but I, I had a really strong feeling of having it. But, but the difference between saying it and actually catching it is um, I, was, I was just so high. I phoned my mate Lee up um, like one in the morning. He said, what? He, he thought I was being attacked. <laughs> I was like, ah! Because <laughs> there was no one to, you know, and then I had to get a selfie. And when I turned up on, um, this was like 16th of November, um, I'd seen a car in the car park from the top lake, and um, but I didn't recognize the car because, you know, you generally know most of the members. So so I walked, before I set up, I walked up on the top lake a couple of swims up on the hillside. Couldn't see whoever it was. So I, I thought, well, he's in, the, he's in the bays, which is the middle bit, because I could see the top end of the lake and I was in the bottom end. So at half one in the morning, I then went tramping up the top lake to drag this poor angler down to do the pictures because you can't do selfies. So, uh, yeah, I dragged, dragged, dragged someone out, but at least you got to see uh, my smiling face in the Randall. So, yeah, so that, that was 2018. Um, and then 2019, um, basically then, I, the fish I wanted, there was a few fish I wanted, and they were predominantly the big males in the top lake. So with, with this sort of me, me thinking that there was a sight feeding element to the males, um, I wanted to develop a, a bait which was more visual because I was using, um, for, for, the, for the big theme, well, generally speaking, in, in, in fish meal terms, I was using um, what, what you would generally call a HMV fish meal. I wasn't using it for HMV purposes, which we can get into in a bit, but it was a heavy fish meal, 30% low temperature fish meal, um, whey gel, um, pre-digested fish meal, hydrolyzed liver. So it was, it was a high, high biological value fish meal, uh, very nutritional, but it was dark as fish meals tend to be. So I, so I wanted a, a, a bright visual bait. The other thing was in, in 2018, I, I got my Grenville ticket and that's a big, deep, clear pit. Um, and I noticed that people were catching on, uh, you, you know, these commercial baits, which we don't want to name names, but some of them are quite bright and, and they, they were putting a lot of bait out and they were catching fish. Um, is it, is this, sorry to interrupt, is this bright, bright feed baits you mean? Or yeah. bright pop-ups? No, no, bright feed. On Grenville, people will use, basically, Paul, the owner of Grenville, feeds his fish a very nutritional bait, a fish meal which he makes himself, um, and the fish are indescribably healthy. The, the pictures don't do them justice. You look at the skin, he puts, um, he puts sort of oils with vitamin E in, and the skin is it's just the, the works of art. Mm. You've never seen fish as healthy in your life because he, he puts um, toasted, I think it's toasted sesame and other oils in. And yeah. they just, they're just absolutely beautiful. So my point is, there's a lot of that going in. So, so, so certain commercial baits are not as nutritional, but people are catching on them because they're shellfish. And once, as you know, once one show, once one fish dies down, the others start feeding because it, it sort of initiates sort of competitive feeding. Um, so I thought, well, they're obviously swimming around. Grenville's deep, you know. It, in the shallow bits, it's 17, 18 foot. In the deep bits, it's 36 foot. And the average depth is 26 foot, maybe. 
so, so I, I had it in my mind that they were swimming around mid-water, and if they see a big baited patch, then they'll they'll drop down. Um, it, it's not quite as simple as that. Grenville's all about location, but I thought if I have a visual bait, then I think if they see it and they drop down, I can I can make it attractive enough that they will eat it and I will catch them. Um, so that was the theory, but but I also wanted to, to use something similar on Acton, so it sort of tied in. So in 2019, I, I basically developed a bait where um, I call I call it Grenville's Golden Balls. Um, and basically, I took all the fish meal out and made a – it's sort of got Super Gold 60, which is maize protein, which is like a lovely golden color. Mm. Um, it's got some uh, Orogel, um, a super high concentration of pre-digested fish meal, and then it has garlic and turmeric in it. So, so when it washes out, it's pretty bright. Um, initially, it, it's it's bright gold, and then obviously, I think some of the turmeric will leach out over over the hours, but it's still still a, a visual bait. And um, anyway, 2019, I, basically Rob put a load of stockies in in. Um, I'm trying to think when it was. Is it February? I think it was. It was either November 18 or February 19. He put six, 60 stockies in the top lake, and I thought uh, the fish were really, you know, a lot of the fish on Acton were sort of once a year fish, twice a year fish. Um, some of them got caught a lot more because they were super pressured, like the otter. I think my first year the otter come out nine times, but every time it came out, it was up a couple of, you know, a pound, two pounds. Um, so it was absolutely smashing the bait. Anyway, 2019 was a complete game changer um, because the fish, which never used to come out, like say the, the first Bay Mirror, which would do one, might do two captures a year, come out five times in 2019 because there, there was no bait lying around. Um, but I had the worst season ever. And I, I put it down to, because, because my edge is my bait. I'm not particularly. I'm not a good caster in 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 any stretch of the imagination. I, I'm. I have no interest in rigs. I'm absolutely obsessed with bait feeding, you know, and everything what goes with it. Um, and I think because the stockies were absolutely smashing any bait what what was lying around, the Acton fish didn't get. They used to leave bait. Were they having a forty-eight hour rule? Um, or seventy to a fortnight. There was a big turnover of uh, turnover of anglers. So people would turn up, they'd bait up. If they didn't catch, generally speaking, there's some bait there. So the fish used to leave the bait for various reasons. A lot of it was due to angling pressure, um, and some of it's due to the fact that if lads were using bait out of the bag, the bait becomes more attractive as one, it softens up, and two, as the, as there's bacterial action. From from the you know the the, the, micro, the microbiology of the lake acts on acts on the bait and makes it more attractive, more digestible, and and being older fish, the pharyngeal teeth are probably not quite as good, so they, they probably prefer a softer bait. Um, but certainly, it wasn't a place for a quick bite. You know, you generally get a bite at the end of your forty-eight if you was going to get get one. Generally speaking, it's not nailed on. Um, so. Well, I've lost the plot now. Yeah, so basically, the the, the, the stockies forced the originals to feed quicker on the bait, and there was nothing lying around. 
So a lot of people were landing on fish and catching fish, which were previously almost uncatchable. But for whatever reason, bad luck, um, bad location, whatever, I really struggled. I caught a lot of stockies, but I really struggled for the originals. I finished 2019 with three originals. Um, I had two, a 34... I had an ultra spawned out little dollop which which does forty. It'll go up to forty two, but I had it at thirty four uh, two. And um, a character called the Car Crash Common, which looks like it's been kicked in the head. It's got a beautiful body, but his face is knackered, uh, and it's it's about thirty five pound. And then I had I had a male in the spring at thirty six twelve. So I had a really terrible season. Um, but the point I want to make of, of this that was on the new bait. But I, I stuck with it because I thought it had mileage. I also I, I nicked a couple of um, 40s off Grenville on it as well, which which bolstered me my confidence on it on solid bags. Um, like what I, one morning I went down in in September and I, I put um, three solid bags out the um, the night before and I had a brace of 40s. I had a, a 40 pound a uh, 40 pound 10 and, and a 40 uh, 42.6 half linear um so that gave me confidence in the bait so i stuck with it um and then in so that was 2019 in 2020 which which is the season started um i stuck with the bait um as an aside um in 2019 there was an angler on the lower and he remember john and he absolutely ripped it a new one um and this is this is the point about confidence in bait this lad, you've never seen anybody catch as many fish in your life on the lower. Um, I think he, I think he had about sixty odd fish. A lot of them stockies, but he, had, he was the first one to catch the the Randall when it went fifty. Um, and I thought he's doing this kid's doing something with his bait. And he had a chat with him um, a couple of times, and he opened up. But he was he he was switched on, like called Tony Solis, really good angler, um, and he absolutely ripped that low that one on lower. So if people have don't believe that bait makes a difference, then that lad just proved it beyond any measure of a doubt. Just an awesome season of angling. Unbelievable. And he, he was into sort of, I'm not going to give his secrets away, um, but he was big on fermentation and particles. Um, and he, he just, honestly, hats off to him. He just did a, an amazing job on the lower. And he went, he, even when he went up, up on the, uh, he did his week on the top and he had, I think he had six fish out in his week. Including one called Big Pex, which is you know is a male about forty three pound, um, and that is another um, when we talk about the difference between um, males and females um, and commons and mirrors. I've noticed that like fish like Big Pex gets caught a lot on particle. Like people, um, one one of the lads we call Stu the Taxi, he was the first one. Basically, action's got a lot of rud in it. So people tend to fish barley only. Um, and I had, I had a... In 2016, I was sat in a swim called Potbeds, um, and, and there was a swim next door called Reeds, and no one ever fished it. And I had a thought that I could start baiting it, and if I couldn't get in Potbeds, then I could get I could get in next door. And if I started baiting it, no one would be fishing it, given that acting is hugely pressured. And I thought I will put because of the rud, I was thinking I'll put chickpeas. Uh, amazing. Anyway, I never did it. 
in, but in, I think it was 2018, Stu started ladling the amazing. When, when he was doing his week, he, he, he must have took about 60 kilo or something like that. And they didn't get on it for three days. And then it was, it was on the, the night of the new moon, it kicked off and he pulled out in his week, in four days, he pulled out 16 originals. Because it, partially because it was novel, he hadn't seen a massive hit at bay, um, and no one was using maize. So, um, but he had big pecs as well. So, so, so you start noticing these patterns where certain fish are prone to particles, certain fish come out on a bright pop up. Um, so yeah, so so fast forward to twenty twenty, um, and there's a couple of fish I really wanted. One's called the peach. Which is a, a a low forty male. It sometimes sort of runs around thirty nines, um, but it's a good it's a good scrapping fish. My mate Cov had it in the middle of the lake, and he said it, it nearly it was down at the dam wall. You had to wade the full length of the margin to try and get it back. It's just it's just mental. Um, so that I wanted that one, and there's another one called the uh, the double back, which is 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 black. It is absolutely black and it's got some starburst going on this stubby dorsal. Comes out quite a lot. It's not it's not one of the, the, the rarer fish, but it's just absolutely beautiful. Um and that's a male as well. Um so in it went down in twenty twenty in, in whatever it was, first, second of June. Um we did the draw. There was a because of furlough, there was a record number of people turning up with seventeen anglers turned up. I came out tenth in the draw and got me my second choice swim, so I, I was well happy. Um, anyway, while we stood on the damn wall waiting for the draw, because you could see the dub, the, the double back was there. <laughs> you could see it's got a stubby dorsal, and it was right in front of us. Um, anyways, I really wanted that fish. So I set up in pot beds, um, and I had um, the following morning. We did the first first night. Following morning, I got a, a run. Uh, absolutely beat me up. Nearly had it on for an hour. It was just mental. Anyway, the new there were a couple of new members. They came from next door, and I was out in my chest, and this fish would not give up. And I could see it in the water because I was at it right up. I nearly netted it two or three times, and I could see it wasn't it wasn't a monster, but it was decent. Um, and then <laughs> while I was playing this fish, the middle rod ripped off. Bear in mind, acting does not do double runs. The other rod went off, and it, but as, as that rod went off, I'd seen a little stocking nut out, like probably spooked by the take. Um, so, so one of the new members picked the other rod up and started playing it for me, and I said, oh, knock it off, it's a stocky, just have, as a joke. Anyway, after nearly an hour, I, I landed the double back, I didn't know it was until I netted it, and then played the other fish, and the other fish was a 32 mirror as well, so that, that was like a, a mental double take on opening week this season, that was June 2020. Uh, and that was on the bright bait. Um, and then he had a 29 common on it the following morning. So three fish on, on opening, you know, opening sort of week was was a result. So that was confidence in the bait. Um, and then two or three weeks, two or three weeks later, I was up in, in the old shallows swim. Um, it, in the old shallows, you hardly have any water at all. It's literally... A, um, a really tight swim, um, but it was really hot, and I thought, you know, um, conditions were fine. So, I, so basically, I, I put three rods on one spot, spawned about a hundred baits over it, um, 
bearing in mind what I've said about disturbance, disturbance is an absolute killer on actinoid. It certainly was before the stockies were there. You know, if you, if you put lead on a fish, my all you see is like a parting of the Red Sea and the fish is gone. So three rods out, 100 baits over them. Within 45 minutes, I got a take. Um, and then, it, you know, eventually when I landed, it was a peach. <laughs> which was like, which was my main target for the year. So that was like, I was just so so happy. And and, and it's a male. It was a 4110. Um, so I was just overjoyed. And it, it sort of further confirmation, you know, I've spotted out, say, say 100 boilies, 120 boilies in, in, in one spot. And within 45 minutes, it's, it's, it's obviously swum over that, dropped down and, and, I've had a bite. So that sort of reinforces my view that, that mirrors are more prone, uh, male mirrors are more prone to sight feeding. Um, obviously, the debate was super attractive, and it's, it's, I'll, we, we talked about, was it, um, was it Dean who you asked the question, how do you go about a sort of time released attraction? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've been given a real good account of your angling. I haven't wanted to interrupt you, but yeah. um, you're doing a good job, mate. You you are made for podcasts, I tell you that. Um, <laughs> it was Dean, yeah, I want to talk to you about that. I mean, you can finish f- filling us in on, on you know, your angling yeah. history if you want. But yeah, it, it was Dean that we spoke to about, um, I asked him if he had any tactics for kind of like prolonged release of attractors within the, the, the water, within the water, yeah. Mm. Oh, we'll, we'll um, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll I'll, I'll go back to that in a minute. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. So I had I had the peach. Um. And then um. Come come sort of uh, when we talk end of August, we had um, a decent low pressure, um, decent winds. Um. Wasn't a mega low pressure, and I thought conquer, conquer in in, in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. It come out middle of the lake commands. A lot of water for Acton. Bear, bear in mind, Acton's sort of like um, like a crescent shape, a banana shape, if you like, with the middle bit being the widest bit. Um, but it's only fifteen acres. So um, in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, Conker was hot. It did nearly all the big fish. You couldn't get in it, um, but but it was it really did some some beautiful fish. Anyway, in in eighteen, it didn't fish well because African, which commands the shallows, fished really well because of the super hot temperatures. Um, in nineteen, with the stockies in, fish were coming out from all over. Um, anyway, end of August, we had this. The weather was absolutely cock on. It was cool. It was raining, low pressure. I think that I'm pretty sure the moon phase was was decent. Um, I thought conquer all day. Um, I spoke to someone else who was on the lake and, and they, he said he was the only one on. So I turned up, um, got there about 10 o'clock. It's just starting to absolutely leather it down. And I pulled up in Conker and my mate Declan's there. He comes out of his bivvy, looks at me, and I just thought, you wanker. And I wanted that swim so badly. And, he, and he's, he's all dry, set up. There's fish, he said there's fish showing. And I was just like, oh, you know, you, you, you know the feeling, don't you? That sinking feeling. Um, so I was thinking about going opposite in first bay, but it was starting to absolutely leather it down. And it means it's a barrel job. It's not, not a big barrel, but th- three barrel trips and you're wet. So, so I set up in, in Africa in the shallows, put my bivy up, got set up. I'd, I'd a lead about, 
because um, I haven't fished Africa much that season and, and the sort of weed moves about with it being shallow there's weed there anyway long story short I got absolutely drowned setting up I mean you know you know, absolutely drowned um, got all set up I, I said I said to him I said I've brought me my bait in a game this time but I won't but he was on the fish and I wasn't um, and I ended up being a really good trip because whenever I fish next to Declan I always do well and he blanks normally because the last time I'd fished next to him when I was in Africa was when I had the slope and the first bay, a brace of 40s, and he had he, he blanked. <laughs> so, so he was so, so it's great because I kick him out of bed at half two in the morning when he's blanking and I've and I've got a fish, so you can sort of rub it in, which which always pleases him immensely, as you can imagine. So yeah, that trip was 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 absolutely amazing. I found with with African you've got um, the sort of two two sides to it. You can either go right up up to the shallow really up to the shallows or you've got the area we sort of call the triangle because it, it's sort of the middle bit of three swims um and depending where you think the fish might be is where you put your rods so i found a real nice spot um to the left in the sort of triangle area um so i thought right, i'm going to put two rods on one spot I did I did a lot of leading about and a lot of marking and, and messing about because I was trying to keep her away from the swans um, and got two real decent drops for silt. Um, and then I spotted a lot of bait. I put a lot of fermented particle out, mixed in with a boilie um, and one on the, on the normal banker middle, where, where, which is my normal middle rod. I put one on that spot um, and I ended up with four originals. Um, I had, what did I have? Um, I, I, yeah, there's an ancient, and it, there's two fullies in, in, in Acton Top, the big fully and the little fully. Um, the big fully's, I had it at 28, 12, and the little fully's about 25, 26. But I think they're old lanies. They were in the time, I think they've been in there since like when Maddox fished it in the 80s. They're absolutely stunning fish. Might be wrong on that, but they're, they're old fish and, and they're absolutely beautiful. And I've never had any of the fullies. Um, so I really wanted them, and and the first fish was was the the big fully at twenty eight twelve. So so that made me trip, um, and then I recast in the in the dark, um, and I had a, a common called the dish common at thirty three, which was my old UK PB. I had it in twenty sixteen at thirty four, and that was my old UK PB common, um, and then I recast again, and I had a a beautiful male. Um, really dark sort of slate grey uh, male, and it still had its end of August. It still had some tubercles on it um, because the weather had been up and down. Some of the fish didn't actually spawn till nearly August. One of which was was my last fish, which was um, the fish called Little Dollar, which had had the year before at thir- or two years before at thirty. No, sorry, a year before at thirty five four. Um, Anyway, a lad called Kev had had, had had the little dollop in either June or July at 46, which is four or five pounds. Basically, it was spawn bound. It's four or five pounds above its normal weight. It just looked enormous. Um, and then it got caught again at 44, and it still hadn't spawned, about, I think, around July. Anyway, I, I had it, and it was bang on 40, so it spawned. Um, and that was the last fish of the trip, the little dollop, so... Because I said I wouldn't mind it as a recap to just at forty, just because I know we all say oh, it doesn't matter what weight it is, but if you if, if you catch it one of the one of the A team and it's not forty, you, you want it at forty, you know. It, 
I know people say it doesn't matter. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just one off the box. So, so that was a, a, a good trip in end of August. And then, then I started going down to Grenville. Um, it, Grenville's a long way. It's 175 miles each, each way. So it's an, it's an horrible trip down the A1 for me. Um, it's a big lake. Um, you, and, and Paul's very keen about, about the rules because um, you've sort of got a, Walk round the lake, drop your 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 bucket or or a, a net or something, go back and get your car, unload, take your car back to the car park, then start setting up trying to find a clear spot. So it's quite a protracted um, setting up procedure. Um, so if you're only going for forty eight hours, it, it's you know what I mean. It's and it's a three hour drive each way. Then it's it's quite um it's quite involved, shall we say. Um, but as as you know, most people who know about Grenville know what's in there, so you you put up with it. But my point is, I don't go as much as maybe some local anglers because of the distance involved. But anyway, um, so I went down in September. Um, Grenville is in people. It's got a massive stock of about best guess eighteen hundred fish in seventy two acres. That's but the crazy. volume of water is such that it's. Is like 210 acres because it's 36 foot deep and the average yeah. depth's about 26 foot. So in in, in 3D in a 3D image, yeah. there's a lot of water there. Um, half the lake is unfishable to to, to to most anglers. There's a few people who can absolutely beast a solid bag. Just you've not seen anything like it. these lads are just animals. There's, there's something like three team England lads on there. There's lads who've won the British Carp Angling Championship. The, the technical skills on the Grenville anglers is just next level. I can't compete anything like that. I, I, cause I'm not a distance caster. I've never fished big waters. Um, but I, I like having a go because one, it puts me out, takes me out of my comfort zone. It's a new skill to develop. And also the, the fish, the fish are just mental. Um, just out of reference, he, Paul doesn't know exactly the size of all the fish, but he keeps all records. He's got pictures of them going in at five pounds, and then he's got every capture of them over 30 pounds. And most of them, he's got every capture of, of, of when it was caught, how big it was, and half the time he's got all the pictures because every fish over 30 pounds, you have to photograph both sides. He weighs them, he takes the pictures in immaculate condition. There could be anywhere up to 150 40s in there. There's something like 13 fish over 50 pound in there, topped by two which have, have done 60. I mean, one of them came out at 59-something this year because they had a really good spawn. Well, this is last year, you know. They had a really good spawn last last year. Um, so, so there's two. There's like a green 124 and a green 123, I think. And one of, one of them's done the late record at 65-12 twice. And the other one's done sixty-one twelve at its biggest. It, it came out like a couple of ounces under sixty. Um, so it's the, and and there's also the old late record hasn't been been out for about seven years, but that was seven years ago. It did fifty-six. So there's at least two potential sixes swimming around, possibly more. Um, but it's hard. It's 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 rock hard because the thing is when I turn up at I don't know any of the lads on there because I'm not local. I don't a lot of the lads have come from places like Elstone, Monks. So they sort of know each other. Um me being a you know northern monkey, I don't I don't really know anybody. Uh, and on big lakes, location is everything. 
if if you can find out where the fish are before you arrive, you you, you know some of the the really good technical anglers on there. If 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 they get on fish and they can fish at extreme range and bait at extreme range, they can have a, a good hit of fish. Um, I mean, you know, lads have had twenty fish in a three day or even a two day. You know, I've, I've never caught anything like that. But there's the one thing I have is is, is my bait. Um, so I've I've not fished it that much, but and I've only had thirteen fish. But my average size is 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 pretty good. And I I put that you know some some of it's the element of chance. I mean, dis, despite what anybody says, I always say it's better to be lucky than than good. Mm. But you, you know, technically, you could call it the element of chance. If you land on the area where there's big fish and you catch them, you know, someone else could have twenty twenty pounders. That's that's you can't determine that, but I do believe that that bait plays a part, um, and I, we'll, we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah, so so I I think I'd done. I went for the the, the open. He opens it in seventeenth of July, um, and I think I caught on my second trip. I had a twenty-one pounder, which is small from there, but beautiful scaly fish. He breeds his own fish as well, which is just just you've not seen fish like them. They, they're just ridiculous. Basically, what he's done is he got um, this the best ever um, lot of simos which were ever produced. That spawning produced the uh, the Vinitrol sixty. And, and the fish Paul got, and these are the ones which are doing high 50s and 60s. Um, he's put some Andy Parker fish in back in the day, and they are lots, they're sort of sutton dinks, and they're quite slow growers, but stunning. Uh, and then I think he got some scaly simos um, and some some commons. Um, and basically, he's, I think his daughter went to Sparshall or, or some fishery management school and, and basically they, they collected the spawn reared them on he's got all stock ponds um and he does of not of a natural spawn he's got those three genetic lines and what they've come out is they've got the growth rate of the best ever line of simos and they've got the scaly pattern of of the, the sutton dinks so they're, they're absolutely stunning um and he, he obviously he grades the ones he wants and puts them in the lake so it's got an, a, just an immense stock. So, yeah, so I started off on uh, a blank, I think, the first couple of trips. I think the third trip I had, I had the 20. Um, and and then I went down. My mate John was 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 going down. Um, it was big weather. And on there, it's, it's just a wild, wild place. You get a breeze. You look on the weather app, and it's got 17-mile-an-hour wind. And then you go on there, and people are surfing. It's just, it's just mental. It's in Cambridgeshire. It's just, it's just a beast of a lake. It's, it's just unbelievable. Um, anyway, I set up uh, next to my mate John, um, spotted a load of bait out. Um, it's all distance work, so it's I was, I think I was doing about one ten, which is about into a wind, which is, which is pretty good for me. Um, some of the lads can just chuck obscene distances, but I'm not one of them. Um, anyway, so sort of first. That was that was sort of lunchtime, and then I've seen a couple of shows. I think the following morning to my left, so I basically tied I tied up some solids and just <clears throat> didn't clip them up and just launched them as far as I could. And this is on on the golden bait. Um, but 
since talking to Tony, the lad who absolutely rips, ripped the lower lake act in a new one, he was obsessed with turning baits. Um, so, um, in my solid bags, basically, I, I had some of this, this what I call my Grenville's golden balls, which has got a lot of uh, Bella can in as well. I put, I don't even put any any liquids in it at the moment. I just, I just put a, a shit ton of a Bella can. It's got a lot of pre-digested fish meal. It's got the maize in it and, and Brocacel. What I've what I've found with baits containing Brocacel and maize is they turn really quick. So so I've, I've I've had this bag of boilers and I keep putting it in the freezer, taking it out, and I'm making my solid bags out of them, and I'm putting um, grinding them up with a crusher, but leaving sort of nuggets in rather than taking it down to dust. I'm putting nuggets in so big so there's um, a lot of attraction there. It, it it lasts longer. Basically, on Grenville, you have massive undertows because it's a big pit. You've got the wind going one way, the undertows going the other way. I'm not convinced if you put a solid bag of dust out, how much is left for how long. So, so, so my thinking was, if I get some nuggets of boiling in, put a little stick over, basically I blitz down it, some of it to dust, and I, I put a little stick over the hook, and then I can get some nuggets in without impaling the hook, get it all tight, all really tight, and then I'm, I'm, and those solid bags have, have done me two forties in 2018 on their own, and um, and then in 20 into September last last year, which is in 2020, I had um, I had a four fish hit on the on the solids just casting as far as I could, um, but one of the fish was um, a 48 pounder, which was. I think the thirteenth biggest fish in the lake, but down it was about three pound down from the previous year, because um, Paul's got you know he's got the graphs of, of, of when it came out, what it did, um, and it, it that was just a mental ship. It was big winds. Um, there's a lot of milfoil uh, as it comes up the shelf, and basically the the fish weeded me up because there's like six foot fronds of milfoil, and you can't drag the fish through. So Paul says, don't rip its head off, just put your rod down. So I got I got that take about midnight ish, um, and I stood over my rod for three hours in the pissing rain when it was um, and it it'd go off and then you'd wind it in this mill foil again, and then it's at about three in the morning I'd actually got back on my bed with my waders on waiting for it to go again, and the last the last attempt it um, it, it it came in, you know I played it for quite a bit anyway. You you can't the big fish you don't you're not allowed to get out of the water on your own you've got to just um if it's a stupid o'clock you've got to sling them up and and bring Paul in the morning and he'll he'll bring the lake scales round and and do the photographs so I looked at this fish and I thought oh it's, you know it looks forty pound um the thing about the Grenville fish is they're always about ten pound heavier than you think they are because <laughs> they're just absolutely solid um. So when I, when we lifted it out, Paul came around in the morning about half six, seven o'clock, whatever time it was, lifted it out, and that that fish went forty eight pounds, which was was wonderful. Um, and then the week after that, um, the swim I was in, which was sixteen, um, all this millfall was just a nightmare. It it was just hard work fishing through. So Paul um, went out in the boat, got a couple of lads, um, and he was dragging, he was going out in the boat, dropping a big drag, and then the lads like three or four of them were hauling it in to clear all this. So he he told everybody he was doing it. So I thought, well, I'm going to go as far away from there as possible. 
<laughs> one, so I'm not I'm not in his way, and secondly, I don't want to be anywhere near someone where they're dropping a drag just for the disturbance. Um, so I set up in a swim. No one ever really fishes ball in 36, um, and I found a decent spot at 96 yards. Um, and I put this. This is this is the ironic thing. Um, I actually I, I think I'd run out of some bait ingredients, so I just threw a, a bait together, um, a fish, a, a liver fish meal. Um, just threw it together, put loads of ant powder in. It was it was a good bait, but it was literally just you know I'm I'm just weighing it out and making it up as I went along. I bricked it and then chopped it up into bits, um, and I soaked it in in um, some hemp juice and then unusual liquids. Um, put that out and then put three solids over it. And um, first night nothing, second night about half half one. So it's like my final morning, if you like. At half one, I got a, a take. Um, came in, came in like a sack of shit. To be fair, it, it really didn't do anything. I thought, oh, it's a scraper twenty. You, you know, you're in. You've got to get in the water. You, you, your nets are staked out in the water because um, you're not allowed to bring them near the platforms. Um, so I looked down on the back of this fish. I thought, oh, it's a twenty. Set all myself take stuff up because it was a lovely scale. I thought I'm getting a picture anyway because I don't catch much. Um, did all the self takes and everything, get it all set up. Went to get it out of the water, and I thought, nah, that's that's a thirty. I'm, I better sling that up. And it it was like nearly a fully scaled. Um, I thought that's that's touching thirty. That so, so I, I I slung it up. You've got to, you've got to put storm poles in in your net retainer, so then it's not bashing on. You know the fish care there is 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 you've never seen fish care like it. Um, of, you, of what the equipment you've got to have, you've got to leave it on the lake for, for you know, so there's no biocontamination. You've got to carry propolis and ulcer swab. Um, anyway, so I, I, I staked this fish out, and then I got another run. So so I'm playing that. Um, give you a decent fight, not mental. Um, the thing is, it's, it's a bit, there's a bit of... Um, I'm on, on Acton, I use my 12-foot ISIVs. And they're quite soft, and 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 you know you sort of play a fish, you feel it. When you, I'm using thirteen foot ISs on uh, thirteen foot ISs on um, on on Grenville, and you've got a lot more um, a lot more control of the fish. You know the the rods are a lot stiffer, so you don't they don't feel as big if you know what I mean. Rather than, as they do on on, on an IS on a, a twelve footer. So I, I caught this fish, and I thought, oh, that's, that's a 40. All day, that's a 40. Um, so I slung it up again, rang Paul in the morning. Um, he, he came around with the scales, got the first one out, the fully. That went um, just under 33, just the, the, the best-looking fish you've ever seen. It's just it's just utter carp plan. Um It's just mental. Um, and then the other fish, I thought, well, it's, you know, it's a 40. Um, lifted it out, and that went 51. Um, which was I was just you know my head fell off then, and, and that that fish that fish hadn't been out for three and three and a bit years. It was last out at something like forty two, and, and Paul sent me the graph. He's got a fucking graph of <laughs> all its captures. Um, so, so in in two weeks, I'd had the thirteenth and the fourteenth biggest fish in the lake out of eighteen hundred from, from and and the whole season. I'd only had seven fish. And two of them, like one of them was a forty-eight, and the other one was, you know, and and two and two a couple of thirty. So it was, 
my average size is is quite high relative to the number of fish I, can't, I catch. Mm, definitely. And mm. I think I, I don't know whether big fish are more sensitive to to to, to, to chemoreceptive stimulus or be more nutritionally aware. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but but there certainly seems to be trends, one, in terms of fish size, and, and two, in terms of... You, you, I'm of the opinion now that you can load, load your baiting strategies to catch certain fish, and, and, and it's been a, a long evolution. Um, I think I mentioned when I, when I chatted to you, I went to Dream Lakes, first time ever in France in 2011, um, and I was fishing Lake 4, and there were a lot of cats in the lake because all the information is online. Um, so I thought, there's no way I'm taking a fish meal if it's full of cats. So I, I, I made a nut, a nut mix, um, and it was a full-fat roasted peanut meal, about 20% of there or thereabouts, 20% tiger nut, um, some lamb lac, which is another high-fat bait. Well, this wasn't a, a purposeful thing. This was just a, a standard nut mix I, was, I, I did at the time. Um, and I absolutely rinsed it. It was unbelievable. And, and it was super hot, super high pressure. The, the daytime temperatures were 33 degrees. It was, you know, blue skies, no wind, not a breath of air. And I was getting bites. Like hard. I wasn't getting up till, till sort of, you know, late-ish. I wasn't, I wasn't taking it seriously as such. Um, and I was baiting up and within half an hour I'd have a fish. And, and I ended up with 25 fish in by the the Thursday um, and it was fishing really wasn't fishing well some you know some people the other three lads on the lake had had three fish in the whole week and I had 25 by the Thursday in five days I ran out of my own bait bought some of the house house bait and didn't catch another fish um, so I thought you know that's a result didn't didn't analyze it other than I was happy with what I caught um, and then in 20 it then 2011, I started on the Selby Three Lakes in, in North Yorkshire. Um, I went in with a fish meal. Um, and at the time, you could get the original L030, and I was obsessed with L030. I would have had a bath mm. in it if I could. Um, it was just a wonderful additive. Um, and I caught quite a lot of mirrors, some decent, some stockies. Um, a third of the stock of Selby was commons. And, and I didn't catch any decent commons. The, the biggest common I had, I think, was... I mean, you've got to bear in mind that a lot, of the, anything over 25 on Selby at the time was a big fish. You know, it was quite a few 20s, but there was nothing massive in there, apart from the two the original mirrors. There were two original 30s mirrors, which, which were all under going for. Um, and then the second season, I fished the fish meal. Um Third season was 2013. I had Rosie, which was one of my target fish, on a red fish meal. She was an absolute sucker for a red fish meal. A lot of the lads were using Icelandic red from Carp Company. Oh, that's great bait. Yeah, well, one of the lads was on a bait deal. Um, so we used to he used to order hundreds of kilos and then, then give it to the lads on the lake and put, you know, probably put a quid on it or whatever. Mm. Um, but consequently, there was, there was a lot of Icelandic red going in. I was using a fish meal, a red fish meal, um, with like full fat GLM, um, liver. You know, just, just I was sort of I was learning about bait then. Um, uh, you know, 
I, I got really serious about bait in 2010. So when I started on there in 2011, I had a good recipe uh, and a few variations. You know, you try like full fat GLM or spirulina or something. But the, the point is, I caught a decent amount of mirrors, but I wasn't getting any of the big commons. Um, mm. There was there was a few commons that sort of around 25 pound, which I know nationally that's not a big fish, but we're talking North Yorkshire here yeah. 10 yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 20, so I had my ta- one of my target fish, Rosie. The other target fish died um, in 2013 because these these two fish, all the others had died as well, a lot of the originals, but these were stocked in 1973. So so they were, you know, they were sort of as old as I was nearly, assuming that they were three, four, five years old when they were stocked. They were the same age as me. So I had one of them, the other one died. Um, and, and here's another thing, the other one, the mirror, the mirror Clarence, Big long torpedo over thirty used to go up to about thirty-five. Would get caught on all sorts, absolutely all sorts. Mm. Strangely enough, the biggest common in there when I joined was was a scar common. It, it it finished up at thirty-nine summer and died. But when I was there, when I joined in twenty eleven, it was twenty-eight pound, and they went up to about thirty-two for a common that would get caught on the most a lot of baits. Um, but obviously, a lot of ice red was going in. But Rosie was a sucker for fish meal. She hardly ever got caught. She'd either get caught on trigger occasionally on, on nearly all ice red. And I had her on and I had her on a, a red fish meal. Um so I mean you were talking to was it Dean you were talking about preferences? I think we've mentioned it a few times. A few I times. Mean, yeah, yeah. Certain fish have preferences. Now I'm I'm absolutely sold on 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 preferences. Anyway, there were some commons I wanted in there. There was a beautiful, beautiful uh, fish called the Baby Scar Common, which was only £25, but it's, it was just a mint dark fish with a big bald patch on it. Didn't come out much. Um, and there, there was a few other commons over over £25, which, you know, for North Yorkshire, they were big fish. I know people, a £25 common if you fish bundies is, 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 is a, you know, what people call the shitter, but for me, these these were sought after fish. Yeah. Um, so I went in with my nut mix. I thought, I think in 2013, um, one lad started on the cell, um, and he absolutely rinsed it. Now, Selby is a deep clay pit. It's like an old brick pit. So it's quite deep. The sides go straight down. Um, it's sort of pad-lined. Um, and he absolutely rinsed it. He had the three biggest fish out, all, all three of them. Which she had Rosie on sale, which again she was she was a nice one. It was just one of those things. He was the first one on it, really, um, and he did well. And then everybody else jumped on it, and then they weren't catching. You know, the results weren't nearly as much as when he when he was on it. Um, but anyway, my point was, I'd seen I'd seen fish circling. There's a sort of central bar which. There's two lakes, Selby Lakes two and three um, were separate lakes, and then the, then they'd made a cut through. Um, but there's like a full bar across, so you've almost got your. It's almost like four lakes, as in in, in forty yards across, you've got an island. What looks like a star-shaped island, which runs the full. The bar runs the full, almost the full length of the lake. Um, so the fish tend to patrol round that bar, cut, go through the cut-throughs, come back. Um, and I've, I've seen the fish. There was um, a couple of koi in there. So you could see them when they were swimming past. Um, 
I, I try. I can't remember. I try. I went in with my nut, my nut mix, and I seen the fish for, swim over my bait loads of times because I could see this koi with them. And then all of a sudden, one dropped down. The koi dropped down, and all the others dropped down, and I had a bite straight away. Um, so, so it was in my mind about about visible baits with with, with um, Wayne Wayne catching on the cell, um, because I, I I know roughly what's in the cell because they, they put the list of ingredients on the bag and, and, the, and the nutritional breakdown. So if you know anything about bait, you, you can you know pretty much what's in it. So I was thinking, they're up, these fish are up in the water, they're swimming around, they can see the bait, they know it's there, and then at some stage they'll drop down. Um, so I had a play about, um, and I thought, right, is it the cell, is it the activator or is it the base mix? Well, the base mix is nothing special. I thought it's got to be the activator. So I made me nut, I made me nut mix in two, two variations. I made one with maple, um, condensed milk flavor, and cream kajousa the other one with activator and to be fair it was the maple bait which which sort of performed better um, and at that time um i think i think it, it was around that time that sean harrison was talking about soaking his baits up i think he might have been on grenville at the time mm-hmm. but he was on about um soaking them up with particle juice to soften them up um so i thought i can incorporate that in in with a bait but put some extra attraction in I had in my mind that commons are, are, are reputed to, to be attracted by molasses, by CSL, um, by tiger nut, um, maize, things like that. So, 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 so my approach, my game plan was to make a bait which um, everything I could think of which would attract a common would I would put in because I wasn't catching the commons on my fish meal. Um, so I made a nut mix. Um, 20, that was 2014. It was really, really hot. Really hot. Um, so I was making the nut mix. Um, I was soaking it. I was basically fermenting particle pigeon conditioner. Um, and in the pigeon conditioner, I was putting a load of molasses, um, high fructose corn syrup, um, citric acid, ascorbic acid. Um, then I was soaking it. And then boiling it, let it cool down, stick it in a barrel with an airlock on, put an high alcohol tolerance wine yeast in. Um, I got an industrial amylase off um, a lad who, who worked for a distiller, so I whacked that in. Um, and and, and the, the sort of theory was to get an high alcohol um, content in it, but also the amylase would, would remove the starches um, and... I was putting meat tenderizing powder in to sort of attack the glutens of the of the of the the particle, and then the game plan was to soak the use it as a soak with the boilies, but put some CSL in as well because CSL is reputed to to attract commons. So I had this sort of the, the beauty about selby is you could bait up on the heads. You know, this is the the, the thing what um, Patrick Mills was saying about attraction is that you've got to keep baiting it up. Um, Selby was great in that you could literally bait up on the red, they'd go and they'd be back in half an hour because they used to circulate this island. So I knew the enzymes were working because the baits would turn into mush. And I'd only bait up in the day and like sort of t- between 10 and 30 boilers with a catapult every hour. And I had a washing up bowl on the bank 
I'd, be, I'd put pour the particle juice, which was fermenting actively. I, you know, I alcohol content. I'd pour that into a washing up bowl, a, a generous dollop of, of the CSL, stick the boilies in. Once the boilies started fizzing, they were ready to go, stuck them in. And I absolutely rinsed it for commons. I finished on 47 fish for the season. When my previous best was, first season I had 21 fish, mostly mirrors. Second, I had about 20, 20 fish. Third, third year, I think I had 30 fish. This season I had 47 fish. And a lot of them commons. I had the baby scar twice. I had a fish I call the perfect common. I had the second biggest common, which we called Holmes's common. I had that three times. Um, and I had the biggest remaining mirror, which hadn't been out for two years. So, the, but the the proportion of mirror of commons was much higher and bigger. Um, so I thought obviously the CSL and molasses, the particle, and everything else was absolutely working. But the other um, thing I noticed, 2014 was nuclear hot, and the, there were times when I was catching when no one else was catching. And I was I was catching in the day, like the heat of the day. Now, Selby, Selby was a a strange um, a strange lake. The bite time was sort of nine o'clock. You could catch from first light, but at nine o'clock, nine a.m., you were sat on your hands. If you were going to get a bite, nine o'clock was was you know the time. Um, and then you wouldn't catch much, you know, sort of. But half ten, eleven o'clock. If you hadn't had a fish, then it, you know you were scratching. You might get one in the afternoon, but you know towards evening. But nine o'clock was the bite time. Um, but I, but I was catching, you know, in the heat of the day, two, three o'clock in the afternoon when it was you know thirty degrees, and I was catching fish. And in one session, I had seven. I had seven fish. Not only stockies, not, not nothing big, but for me to catch seven and no one else had a fish on the lake, I thought you know, something going on here. Um, and then I was thinking, I can't remember when I came to the conclusion. I also, rem- I also remember reading a Hutchie. I wasn't around when, when Rod, Rod the Mod was, 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 you know, in his prime. But I remember reading an old article and, and Rod said, when it's really hot, he's always done best on bird food baits. Well, I thought of, that was filed away in the memory. Um, he didn't elaborate as to why. Um, and that, that was sort of in, in my mind. And then I was thinking about it. Um, and then when, when in 2018, when, when Acton died of death on the fish meals and it was so hot, um, I had this sort of light bulb moment where I thought, I think it's, it's dissolved oxygen. I think there's a link between dissolved oxygen and carp's willingness to eat a super high-protein bait. In, in that when it's really hot, the water temperature is hot, so, so dissolved oxygen is low, carp struggle to metabolize a huge amount of protein in, in, a, um, in boily form. You know, they, if they take a load of boily in, in, the, in the gut and then they start enzymatically digesting it, <coughs> they need oxygen to metabolize it. Well, if, if, in low DO, they, they go torpid, they don't really do a lot. There's no shortage of protein in the lake. So I thought, what can I do to, to try and engineer a bite here? And I thought about the Dream Lake session when it was hot. I thought about Selby in 2014. And I thought, well, the link there is a nut mix. 
and thought, is it is it as simple as it, it's a visible bait or is it a metabolic thing? And I thought I thought about it more. It's, this isn't a, like a, an immediate thought. This is like mulling it over over weeks when you sat there blanking and it and you're sweating your nads off. It's you know and it's boiling out and you're thinking, what can I do here? And I came to the conclusion that I remember what Rod said about a bird food bait. And, and, and in terms of food value, an out and out bird food bait doesn't have a lot of protein in it. It's you know if you look at bird foods generally. They've got seeds in, a bit of egg biscuit, yada yada, bit maybe a bit of cod liver oil or whatever. But what they've not got is a lot of high biological value um, value proteins in them. So the other thing was the timing of the baits in in the heat of the day. So I came to the conclusion that it was the fat in the nut mix that they wanted in in this super low dissolved oxygen, super high pressure. Because the one thing they're not getting in the lake is fat. If you, if you think about it in a lake in, in the height of summer, if there's, load, there's loads of protein about, there's probably not a lot of natural carbohydrate. But in a nut bait, the digestible protein, there's not a lot of digestible protein. In, in, in high water temperatures, a fish eats a nut, a nut mix. You get them in your net or you sling and they're shitting out the nut mix and you can feel it and it's like nut paste. They haven't taken a huge amount out of it. But what I think they are taking out of it is, is, is some of the fat content. And I remember I, I did human physiology at uni, so I know I, I did a bit of exercise physiology and, and by and, and, you know, metabolism, biochemical metabolism and what have you. And, and I think I discussed with you that basically once when humans burn fat per uh, energy yielded, they utilize less oxygen for a, for a given energy yield. And I wondered if the carp were feeling the benefit in terms of the biological, what's called biological oxygen demand, as in how much oxygen they need to, to survive and metabolize, if they were feeling a sort of an energy rush or certainly felt more comfortable extracting the fat out of a nut mix and not having as much protein in it. Um, and that is something that I need to try again on Acton because I've not, by the time I'd sort of come to this conclusion that the, the summer was over and uh, we were into autumn uh, and that's when I went after the Randall on the fish meal. So it's not, it's not something I've explored since, but I'm 100% certain that that is the case. As I say, in, in our recent podcast with Jason, that's something he spoke about as well, was carp metabolizing. Um, and getting energy basically from the fats and oils present. Mm. I've got to say, Stephen, it's fascinating sort of hearing you say this because this is a, a, a theory I've had for a little while. Um, and years ago, I used to use a, a nut mix. Um, and again, what you're talking about with the attraction to commons in particular, I mean, that in, included CSL molasses. Um, and Sam used to take the piss out of me for the water we fished because I used to catch common after common after common. Um, and Sam was getting all all of the sort of like the, the desired sort of scaly mirrors. I can't yeah. remember what bait he was using at the time, and I was fishing my nut mix. Um, and yeah, I was after I was just catching common after common after common. Um, and this year, I'm I'm targeting a particular water with a few big commons in it. And I've been discussing with Sam this week about sort of a revisiting my nut mix to sort of target mm. these fish. Um, so everything you're sort of saying is like really, really for me fascinating really interesting it's sort of like 
hitting home a little bit, I guess. Um, so I used to use as well, it's like you're saying, the peanut meal is particularly oily. And I used to use yeah. ses- sesame seed oil uh, alongside it as well. Um, and it was a really particularly oily bait. And yeah, it used to really attract commons. I don't know if that's something you can expand on at all. But I don't know why it does it. Um, there was, there's two facets to it. One, a nut mix is, is a visible bait. So I have this this idea because it's not – I can't quantify it or measure it. I can't find any literature on it. But common, commons are more akin to a wild fish. If you read stuff like Mark Holmes goes on about catching catching – commons and dispute up uh, dead roach and what have you mm-hmm. which is uh, you know the wild the, 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 that's uh, predatory feeding now, now predatory feeding if, if 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 carp are eating small roach and what have you they sight feeding the silverfish they, they sight feeding if they take a zig they sight feeding that's not a chemoreceptive feeding they're not detecting that roach and sniffing it because the roach is gone they're using their eyesight and they, they, they're hitting that fish. So, so I'm of the opinion that that commons, in particular male commons, and to some extent male mirrors, are more predatory, have a more predatory nature, which would tie in with the sight feeding. So, so, so if you're going after a common, mm-hmm. one, it's more, it's chances are it's more prone to sight feeding. So, so a nut mix is a more visible bait, especially on like a clay pit like Selby. Secondly, all these things which are reputed to attract commons, such as CSL, molasses, maize, yeast to some extent, fermentation, alcohol. <clears throat> if, if you throw those things with a visible bait, then then you, you know, you're onto a winner, aren't you? Oh, you know, not necessarily. It's not nailed on. What I'm trying to, nothing in in carp angle is nailed on. Mirrors will eat this bait. Like I said on on Selby, I had the biggest remaining mirror in 2014. I've been out for two years. Mm-hmm. But you, you're trying to, if you want a tiger fish, like you're you're on this lake and there's, there's, say there's three big commons and you want them, then I, if I was no, I, if I was going in, I would not be fishing a fish meal unless I knew that those fish come out on a fish meal. Yeah, if I if I knew if I if they were, if I was going in blind, and I knew they were commons in the cold water, I would I would be using um, a nut mix, but I wouldn't be using peanut meal, roasted peanut meal. I would be using the defatted peanut protein. Yeah, but it but it would be the not too dissimilar a base mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be putting lamb lac in because it's got lamb lac's got coconut fat in, which yeah. as we all know is highly saturated. But I would be using the peanut, the you know, the peanut protein, tiger nut meal, um, and, and then obviously it gets warmer. Then I will be putting the, the, the roasted peanut meal in to get the fat content. Mm-hmm. And also, it's got the visible bits, and I'd be doing all the same things as with Selby with the fermentation, with the molasses, with the CSL, because you, you're giving yourself the best chance. Oh, I yeah. think if I was going after a big it depends on like like say say the Grenville, the shoal fish. You could have anywhere between a pod of five fish, or you could have a hundred fish in your swim. So you have a competitive feed in there, 
usually when one drops down, they all start feeding, you know, that's different gravy. But if you're going after a big target fish on, on, a, on a hard water when the fish are moody, they, you know, it, it, the other thing about lakes is you, you've got small lakes where the fish, you're on the fish most of the time. And, and they're usually riggy and difficult to catch. And that's where I think bait really pays pays dividends. If you can, um, if, if bait's your weapon of choice. Because what they say is on little waters, the fish are easy to find and hard to catch. On big waters, they're hard to find and easy to catch. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've generally found that to be true. Um, so that was like my approach. And Acton was... What one thing we've not mentioned is, um, is 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 my main approach on acting in terms of my baiting pattern. Um, I've been in a couple of Facebook bait groups and there's been some very very good lads in there, and they've all got different skills. Lads with lads with smaller bait companies, and you know they all have their own beliefs. Um, we, I mean, we all have different approaches. Sean Harrison doesn't use fish meals, which you know. Me and Dean are absolutely obsessed with fish meals, mm-hmm. but no one can argue with what Sean Harrison catches. So he's not wrong. It's, it's just a different approach. I mean, Sean rinses everywhere he goes. Jason Ryder does, di- you know, he, he does different stuff, doesn't he? He uses all yeah. his additives. You know, he, he, you hear him talk about his 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 uh, his wasp additives and all. Do you know what I mean? He, he goes down that approach. <clears throat> anyway, when I was on sale, when I was on Acton in 2016. And, and it's still, you see these fish fizzing up and you see a massive patch of bubbles, but only one patch. So I came to the conclusion, rightly or wrongly, that these 60 originals or so, I reckon a lot of the big ones were lone feeders. So there was no competitive feeding. The other thing is, as I've mentioned, the baiting approach. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have had this snapshot if I hadn't joined acting in 2016 because it, it was at its lowest stock of fish that it's been for sort of 20 years as the old originals have died off mm-hmm. and it was before he put the stockies in. So, so it was a unique snapshot in time. These fish have been pressured for like 30 years, nearly big, big fish, a lot of males. And I noticed that you never saw a lot of these patches together. So I thought these are lone feeders and, and these 10 nights that I blanked when I first joined, but what am I going to do to get a fish here? Um, and then a guy called Damien Turner was, we were discussing, um, you know, some lads are into a balance in aminos, as in true HMV theory states, if you supply everything a carp needs, then it will eat that bait in preference to anything else in the lake, including naturals. That was, that was the holy grail of, 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 of boilers as they came out with Fred Wilton. So some lads are still obsessed with balancing the aminos, and, and, and Patrick Mills made a reference to it, didn't he, where they say some people supplement an amino which they believe you look at the, the, the amino profile of, of, of the base mix and they'll say right I might need two more grams of tryptophan in that for the sake of argument <clears throat> so, so they might put that in as a single amino to balance the amino profile of the bait but one I think it's cobblers in an angling sense depending on where you fish, because there's so many different baits going to, into lakes now. Lakes are so busy. Certainly in my experience, I can't pre-bait because my nearest water is 100 mile each way. 
refer them okay. to water as 175 miles. If a swim does a fish or does a hit a fish, you can't get back in it the rest of the season. So you can't pre-bait. So, so the bait has to work from the off. Like, like on Acton, there's a lot of lads who use are on key baits, ASM. So obviously everybody's putting it in so the fish know what ASM is. There's loads of it goes in. Because when I, when I joined Acton, lad, one of the lads said to me, if you're not, if you're not on ASM, you ain't catching, mate. I went, all right, here we go. We'll see on that. And then like 10 nights in, I hadn't had a fish. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he might have a point here. Um, but another point is when I had my first fish on the 8th of July, 2016, the lake hadn't done a fish for eight days. That's how, that's how you know, moody it could be. Yeah. There's probably five or six lads on all week, not the same anglers, you know, a turnover of anglers, but it hadn't done a fish for eight days. Anyway, I was, I was, so I came to this conclusion that the, the big fish were lone feeders. So, and then also there was quite a lot of bait going in. Not, not loads, but there was a big, what I'm saying is there's a big turnover of anglers. Every 48 hours, it'd be, you know, there'd be someone waiting behind you to go in that swim. They'd put whatever bait out, you know, is it being eaten? Is it not? It's not doing a lot of fish. In, in 2016, I was told when I joined that if, if you did six fish in a full season, you'd be old in your own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they weren't giving themselves up. Um, anyway, Damo c- came up with this. They were talking about balancing aminos. First, limiting amino acids, which is basically what, if you're into HMV theory, FLAAs are the, the holy grail, and I think it's bollocks. Um, but Damo said he'd read a paper where they were putting aminos in agar pellets and then measuring the leak off versus how much he's actually getting eaten. And there was something like 60 to 70% of the aminos were being blown out of the gills. Out of the egg when they would be chewed by the teeth, and, and he, he said, "Well, it's not worth balancing aminos with free-form amino acids if you're gonna if you, you've got to make sure that your your profile is done with whole proteins." But mm-hmm. I, that was like um, as I said to you before, it was like a, a road to Damascus biblical. My brain lit up and I had scalp tingles, and I thought that is the way I'm going to catch these big fish. I thought, right, I'm going to load that bait with attraction. And when, and it's going to work when the fish starts eating it, when it starts chewing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm, I'm of a scientific disposition. One cubic meter of water, is it a million mil? Oh, man. A thousand liters. A thousand times. Yeah, it will be a thousand liters. times a thousand. One, yeah. one cubic. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you've got a boiler there, which is a sealed unit, you put an egg in it, mm-hmm. yeah? I can't spawn liquids on these fish because the, the, any disturbance is the kiss of death. They're the most mm-hmm. pressured fish on the planet. You can't do anything what you'd normally do. If you wanted to get attraction in a swim, like, like Patrick Mills was saying, every 20 minutes, stick a, stick a big ball of sloppy shite in, and, and you know, that, that's how the match lads do it, spotting over zigs, all that. You can't do that on Acton. Couple with that, there's a load of rud, so you can't really use smart. You could, you can't use crumb because it, it wouldn't even hit the bottom. So that's so why I came to the conclusion that single fish, I will get it, I'll bait tight, I'll get it eating on a spot, and then as it blows all the attraction out of, of its gills, it'll self-stimulate. 
Yeah. It'll cause competitive feeding within itself rather than other fish because there's no other fish around it. So the only way I'm going to engineer a bite off that fish is, is for it to self-stimulate, get greedy, and I'll catch it that way. It'll make the rig inefficient because the fish isn't moving. Yeah. But the only way I can con- – I, I think if I put it out with a throwing stick – 30 baits all over a, a big area. By the time it's eat, chewed once, swam two yards to the next bait, chewed that, swam again, it's washing all the, the, the stimulation off itself. Mm-hmm. So there's no, it's like Patrick was saying about the localized stimulation. Well, how, 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 do, you, how do you develop, how do you deliver that in boilie form? Because you can only use boilies in my mind, which, which obviously uh, Stu the Taxi, he proved you could do it with maize, but at the time, I was thinking in terms of boiling, how could I deliver that attraction in a localized form and self-stimulate the big fish? So, so what I did was um, I basically upped the levels of pre-digested ingredients in the base mix. So it was like a 30% low-temperature fish meal. Um, and then at the time, I was putting 3% caramine, 3% barocacel, 12% CPSP 90 and 5% chicken liver hydro powder in it. Um, and then harking back to what Sean said back six, seven years previous, I thought, right, I'm going to put a hot soak on it mm-hmm. to, to, to give it some external attraction, which may or may not engineer a quick bite. But certainly these are older fish and, and they want a softer bait. So what I wanted w- was a bait which would retain, retain its, its structural integrity so the rud couldn't destroy it, but would have external attraction initially and had the powdered pre-digested in the base mix for when they chewed it. And then even if some of that leaked out, it's got 30% LT in it. So if it sat out there for 48 hours, the lake bacteria begin hydrolyzing the proteins and producing free-form amino acids, organic acids, what have you. So I'm getting a time bomb from it's going in immediately. It's got external. Also, because it was 23% pre-digested, I was, I was binding it with 10% Orogel. So, the, so when it come out, out of, I've cooked it, let it cool down, dried it out for a bit, it's like a rubber bullet because it's 10% whey gel. Yeah. And then, I, then but that would withstand the hot soak then. Okay, so I was going to ask that. So regarding the hot soak, that's you're not taking them straight out of the boil and then soaking them. No, no, no. You're no, letting no. them cool Cooling down. Cooling them and... down, drying them out for 24 hours, 48 hours, and then putting them in the freezer. When they come out of the freezer, first thing I do is absolutely lever them with Namplar, in the, put them in a bucket, lever them with Namplar, yeah. make a, boil, a hot water soak of some description. I've done, I've done all sorts. Um, but when I was, I did manage to get some powdered, just as an aside, back mm-hmm. in the day, I've seen the, uh, the amino profile of wheat gluten and going to the amino acids from Katsumian Dovin, the 2003 paper, the, the, the seven Augustatory amino acids, the one which stood out to me was L-glutamine because mm-hmm. it's the highest amino in nature in, in, in fish it's, it's not essential but it's the highest in terms of its um, percentage as in if you look at like wheat gluten it's nearly 20% L-glutamine so I've seen 
the profile and thought, if I could get, if I could hydrolyze that, I reckon that would be a good feed stimulant. Um, anyway, so so didn't you know wasn't interested in hydrolyzing it. I didn't have the wherewithal to hydrolyze it. Um, then sometime later, I realized that you know McGee seasoning is actually made out of hydrolyzed wheat gluten. Um, and the first the first fish I had out of Acton, I put my I put my ghee on my, my nut mix. I put it in a, in a it was the 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 protein nut mix, the, the peanut protein nut mix, I put a load of McGee all over it mm-hmm. um, and some orange juice to soak it up. Not a hot soak, just a cold soak, but I put a load of this McGee um, and the orange juice, which obviously got the citric and the ascorbic, and that's when I had my first fish um, on, on, on the nut mix. So I thought I will I will do the hot soak, and I, want, and I managed to get hold of some... Um, HVP, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, acid hydrolyzed vegetable protein, which is about sixty percent, sixty percent of basically when they when they when they acid hydrolyze wheat gluten, they did they, they do it with sodium hydroxide and then they sorry they do it with hydrochloric acid and then they they titrate um, sodium hydroxide onto it, so it ends up with a forty percent salt content um, and sixty percent hydrolyzed vegetable protein so um i was putting that like a big teaspoon of that in uh, sorry a big a big dessert spoon of that in a jug um some citrus uh, you know a, a good dollop of citric acid um all the namplar over the bait whack that on and um and let it and hot soak it lid on the bucket and off i'd pop to act and or sometimes i'd do it the night before so so the hot soak provides the initial attraction um what I did notice, even in 2018, before it went moody, I was getting bites quicker. I was going, my bite time was going down. This is it. Sometimes you're marking up or, or spamming or generally causing disturbance. If I was going to get a bite, basically the two, the two 18 members I had in, in July 2018, I had the, the Otter spawned out at 38 and I had the Slope at 44, and they both came around eight, nine o'clock at night when I, I'm probably baiting up and messing about till two, you know, maybe, maybe one, two o'clock by the time I'd set up. So, so between anywhere between six and eight hours, I was getting a bite, which is very, very, this is before the stockies went in. At the time, that was exceptional. Uh, and the same thing when I had the Randall. I had, I had nothing all summer because it went moody. And then when I had the Randall, I, I I told you I'd, I'd cracked off and I, I reset up. I recast at about six o'clock and I had the Randall at um, ten to one. So again, nearly seven hours, bang on. But it was doing a bite. Now that is not coincidence. I say that you, you, you after three seasons on acting, you you see, you know, that's my third season. You start looking at patterns, and, and your bites are coming. And then the year after, when um, sorry, two years after, which was last season when I had. I had the peach in 45 minutes. Obviously, the stockies are in, so the the, the, the the A team are a bit more keen to eat bait when they want it because they know it's going to go. Yeah. But my point, my point is, you, you, you've got a bite within 45 minutes. I mean, the start of the season, the bites came overnight. I got them at first light. But I'm still get, getting a bite on the first night. So, so it's, it's certainly engineering a bite quicker than it used to. And these are still fish that we're we're sort of saying are lone feeders, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Mm. Absolutely without a doubt. The only difference is since Rob put the stockies in, in in 2018, the back end of 2018, there's no bait lying around. So they've, the, the A-team are a lot easier to catch than they were. That said, um, last, not this season, but the season before, the slow pony came out once. Mm-hmm. All the other A-team fish were doing, done anywhere between three, four, five, six captures when they only used to do one or two a year. The slope still didn't come out. It came out once on the second, a third to the last day of the season. Yeah. This season, it's it's only been caught once, and it's it's just done fifty. So so even 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 the slope's still not feeding. And I, I in in the my first two years, well first three seasons, but within in in the first uh, in that period that the slope got caught five times, and I had hit three of them on the same base mix. Mm-hmm. And that's now the biggest fish in the lake. And and, and it's not because I'm a good angler, because I'm not. I'm you know it's not it's not angling. That fish wanted that base mix. Yeah, it is angling me. When you when you when you put your when you put your knowledge into bait like that, it's definitely angling. Yeah, no, it's angling. But what? All right, it's, it's not necessarily. It's not a rig. No, I get it. I get it. Sure, it's not. It's not the technical side of angling, as as in rig mechanics or. Yeah. You, do you know what I'm saying? It, <clears throat> yes, it's on a good spot. But to catch that fish three times mm-hmm. on a bait that. He's not pre-baited. He's not. Um, he's not getting introduced. It's only me using it. So the fish are, that is a novel bait to those fish. Yeah. And another thing, I point out. Some of the fish I've had two and three times, and other fish I haven't caught, and that speaks to preferences. On 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 the liver fish meal, I get repeat. I've had repeat captures on on certain fish, and some I just. I just haven't had, uh, and that is the element of chance to some extent, but it also goes to preferences. This year, well, last se- this season, you know, from last June, I've had a lot of fish I wanted, well, a few fish I wanted, and it's on it's on the the colour bait, which which has no whole it has no whole uh, fish meal in it. There's no LT in it. The, the protein source is maize for the colour. Yeah. 10% Origel, which is obviously decent protein, yeah. a lot of CPSP90, some Brocacel, and that's it, and the garlic and turmeric with the hot soak, but they can see it. Mm. And where do you, where do you see, you've mentioned Brocacel a few times, mm. so I've always used sort of brewer's yeast, I'm happy with brewer's yeast, I've seen right. sort of like the, the new yeasts that come out over the years, it's maybe a bit of a fad, but I mean, you've mentioned it a few times. Right, I'll tell you about tell you about Brocacel. Yeah, go Bro- for Brocacel, it. Brocacel and MB40 are cell wall yeasts. Yep. Do, do you know much about yeast production? Um, Limited, limited knowledge. I know little bits, but I'm sure not as much as you're going to educate me. Brewer's yeast is, is, is the yeast from brewing. Mm-hmm. It's, as far as I understand it, it is whole cells. Yeah. The cells are intact. There will be some bursting of the cells through the drying process and everything else, but by and large, it's it's a a whole cell product. Yeasts are very good in that they contain ribonucleotides um, and this and that. When when they make the processed yeast products, there's two ways they do it. There's hydrolyzed and autolyzed. Autolyzed, basically, they add salt to it. The salt causes an osmotic 
puts 10% salt in the, the wet yeast, it causes an osmotic shock, it bursts the yeast cells, then the proteases in, in the mitochondria, as far as I'm aware, pre-digest the yeast. So they've got a yeast suit which is partially pre-digested. I think other ways they do hydrolyze, as in they'll add an enzyme. And then if they fill... So, so you've got the burst cell walls and you've got the soup of, of the inside of the cell. And then what they do is they process them further. The soup, they'll make into like marmite. So that, that's a yeast extract, which is, is the innards, uh, you know, the cell contents. And then the cell walls are, are made of something called mannan oligosaccharides, MOS. And basically it's a, a polysaccharide, which is, you know what polysaccharide is, I'm assuming. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a polymer made of sugar molecules. Yeah. Now, the reason they use these Ambrocacel is that. So, so when, when, if, they fil- if they filter that off, if they spin it, centrifuge it in, in an, on an industrial scale, the, the cell walls will separate from the soup. They'll take the cell wall components off. The rest goes to marmite or flavor. You know, a lot of yeast extracts are used for flavor because of umami. What? Because they've got ribonucleotides in and a lot of L-glutamine. The cell wall component they use in cattle feed because bacteria digest the mannanol oligosaccharides. It, it causes what's called flocculation, as far as I'm aware. Basically, the 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 the, the gut bacteria colonize the yeast cell walls and ferment it in, in, in the cattle's gut and produce a lot of antibiotics and, uh, you know, it helps with immune function and digestion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you put yeast cell walls in a carp bait, like at, the, at 3%, basically the carp have quite a rudimentary gut and they use a lot of um, their intestinal flora, the gut bacteria helping the digestion. What it also does is it turns... If you put Brocacel in a bait, it turns a bait quick because any, any bacteria in the air are going to colonize that boiler quicker than normal mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of flocculate on it and, and turn that bait quickly. Also, when you, ch- when you chuck it... Basically, a, a lake is, is a, a bacterial soup fungi and you know it's a microbiological microbiological soup so when you put a when you put a freezer bait in a lake if it has brocacel in it then the lake bacteria are then going to start hydrolyzing that bait quicker than if it doesn't contain it now the difference as i see this is in my mind and i've no absolutely no um evidence for this but if you I look at it like this. If you've got whole yeast cells in a bait, which is brewer's yeast, yeah. the carp's rudimentary digestive system is coping with, say, a shit ton of fish meal if it's a good bait. In my bait, certainly. Milk proteins, possibly. Maize protein, vegetable proteins, which are not as digestible. And then it's got a yeast cell. It's got to work. It's digest the, the, the thing, you know, the yeast cell, before it starts getting the benefit of everything else. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think, a pre-digested processed yeast product is always going to outperform a whole yeast. You're, if you put it at 3%, you can't say it's the price. No, no, no. Because no. it, it's nothing. 
Um, and then also, you also have what's called high nucleic yeast, which is um, basically all, all the, the nucleic acids in, in yeasts, because yeast reproduce quick, they've got a lot of nucleic acids. In, in high nucleic acid, in, sorry, in high nucleic yeast, what they do is they convert all the bases into 5-inosine monophosphate. Now, if you look at a lot of um, feed stimulants, there was one, there was a study done in Turbo where it massively increased feed intake, 5-IMP. So what they do is they manipulate the high nucleic yeast. They take all, all the bases, there's four bases in, in, in nucleic acids, and they convert it all to inosine. Now, I, I speak to lads in, in bait groups, and, and some lads have said, I, I read a paper where they, where they said, there's a lot of 5-IMP in fish meals, and there's enough to saturate the carp's receptors. But if you add high nuke yeast into a fish meal, it does nothing. You're wasting your money. Now, de de talking about Damien Turner, he said he had really good success putting it in a winter hook bait. I've never tried it myself. Um, but he said he, he was putting it in a winter hook bait at quite high levels. And he did well, he reckoned, in winter in, in hook baits. But it, it was a bird food. It wasn't a fish meal. Anyway, um, yeah, and also the, the, the bait I was using on cell bait had um, feed stem used to do a probiotic yeast extract liquid, which was the liquid soup side of it. And I, and I was putting a probiotic yeast powder in. CC Moore used to do a, a probiotic yeast powder, which they stopped doing. Mm -hmm. Which, since then, I've seen Selmanax powder, and it looks similar. If I was a gambling man, I would gamble on the, the probiotic yeast powder uh, CC Moore used to sell back in the day, no longer do. I, I would say it's Selmanax or something similar. It wasn't Brocacel. Mm. But my point is, Brocacel and Selmanax, things like that, they act as a probiotic. There's, there's a study where Selmanax um, basically reduces urea output in, in carp, which means is the carp is retaining more protein, nitrogen. If a carp retains nitrogen, if it's excreting urea, it's shitting out the protein content of its feedstuff. So, so, so if, it, if, it's, if it's shitting out less urea, it's, it's retaining nitrogen. In other words, it's it's absorbing more protein from the feed and, and Salmonax does that. So, so what's happening is the gut flora is getting enhanced by the Salmonax. It's improving its digestion, so it's, it's absorbing more protein and excreting less urea. So, so, so that's what, from, from a carp bait point of view, I think the net benefits of using Brocacel are, one, it contains a lot of L-glutamine, two, it contains ribonucleic acids, and it improves the bacterial hydrolysis. So if we're looking at the time bomb. <clears throat> I used to leave my baits out for 40 hours on Acton before you put the stockies in. So you had the hot soak, yep. external attraction. The fish starts chewing it. Hopefully within a decent time frame, you've got the internal pre-digested attraction. If that pre-digested attraction washes out, or a lot of it washes out in 24 hours or 40 hours, you've still got the whole proteins, which become start getting hydrolyzed by the lakes bacteria, the the, the Broca cell will aid in that bacterial hydrolysis because of the man and oligosaccharides. That's how I look at it. Now, Dino says he, he said in the podcast he only uses brewers, doesn't he? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So, you know, 
Dino's baits catch fish, but I only make them for myself. I don't I don't have to look at commercial constraints, price or anything. If, if it costs me Brocasel, you know, if I'm using three percent, thirty grams, the difference between Brocasel and Brewers is it's not worth worrying about, is it? It's negligible, isn't it, really? Yeah. So so that so that's how, how um yeast come into it. Well that's it for episode one. I hope you enjoyed that. You're gonna to want to tune in for episode two. If you want to learn more about Stephen's theories on how you can target big fish, whether that's big males or big commons, whatever your target fish is, Stephen shares some really interesting ideas in part two. And you don't need to make your own bait to take advantage of Stephen's theories on different baits for different types of fish. So tune in for that one. That is it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.